You're listening to The Quad, a Killjoys podcast. My name is Chris. And my name is Stephanie. We are talking about the sixth episode of season two of Killjoys, I Love Lucy. While we will talk about anything and everything from the episode, there will not be spoilers for future episodes. So let's get started with our quick reviews. I enjoyed this episode. I'm, I'm going to qualify it for the most part. <laughs> <laughs> There's like a thing. But anyway, we'll get to it. But yeah, there were so many genre tropes combined in what I thought was an entertaining way. I I was just enjoying it. It was fun. It was vaguely reminiscent of fan fiction. I, I don't think I've actually read any Killjoys fan fiction, but this is what I would imagine it to be. <laughs> yeah. You know, Lucy has taken form and is making out with Johnny. I, I just imagine that's like 90% of Killjoys fan fiction. Mm-hmm. Though I could be wrong. I'm probably wrong, but... That's what I like to think of it as. As well as Dutch having to sing because Hannah John Common has a good voice. Yes, yes, true. It just, it it did feel largely like fan wish fulfillment. It did. For a good chunk of the episode. But speaking of the genre tropes, I am so grumpy about Sabine. Yeah. I want them to fix this next episode. I certainly hope they do. But at the same time, I know better than to get my hopes up because... TV has just been disappointing me this year. Not this show so much, but but that's beside the point. But anyway, we we got good backstory for both Dutch and the plasma slash green goo. They keep calling it plasma. I don't I don't want to call it anything other than green goo though. I know I like green goo too, so we're going to keep calling it green goo. What do you think? Overall, I think I I enjoyed this episode. There were pieces of it that I enjoyed a whole, whole lot, specifically all the stuff with Davin and Johnny and then later Lucy working together. That really encapsulates what draws me to the show is that just sense of fun. And, you know, I thought the opening scene with the two of them working together was great. Like there was a lot of fun with Davin and Johnny in this episode. Fun and teamwork, which is always what this show does really well. Exactly. Fun and teamwork. Exactly. The the scenes, the storyline with Dutch and Romwell were more hit or miss for me. I'll go more into detail later, but I, I did think that Hannah John Common got some good moments in that storyline. And, you know, I was happy to see everybody getting some, even Lucy got some smoochies. But like you're saying, boo for that ending scene with Davin and Sabine. That was tremendously upsetting for one. And for two, I hope that I really hope that's not the last we see of Sabine. I know. Because that scene went on for a while. So long. I was so uncomfortable. <laughs> Me too. It's like, <laughs> they are getting really naked. And then and then it, things got awful. And I'm like, no. <laughs> Though it stretched my limits of believability that the last thing, last piece of clothing to come off seemed to be Davin's shirt. I'm like, come on. <laughs> that would have come off first. <laughs> I was thinking at some point, I'm like, I think this is the first time that Davin's been the most dressed person in a scene. Like, this feels weird. <laughs> right? Right? <laughs> and like, wow, his pants came off before his shirt. I know. Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> but he seemed to be more determined to keep it on in this episode. What with the scene earlier with the, the guidoids trying to undress him. And he was just like, no, no. <laughs> Stop talking. Be naked. <laughs> I was watching this episode with my partner, and after after the, the guidoid said that, she turned and looked at me and said, I'm going to try that next time. <laughs> it's just going to be met with laughter from now on, because I, it's going to make, make you think of this episode. It will. It will. 
Uh, but I guess do we want to go ahead and just talk about that that scene with David and Sabine? The reason I'm really concerned about it is that Sabine so far has been just such a love interest. She's been the cute blonde girl. We've gotten pretty much no backstory on her so far. And if they're going to kill her, she's being fridged to further David's storyline. And I don't want that to happen. Right. Uh, earlier, I was talking about genre tropes. And this was sort of that, this is not the kind of genre trope I want. <laughs> Because this kind of thing happens all the time, and it drives me crazy, where you get, you know, the introduction of a new character, and as you said, so clearly, they're for the purpose of being the love interest, which is fine, to some extent. But not if you're going to do that! Come on! (laughs) Not if that's the only reason they exist. Right. Yeah. I mean, just to, like, consummate the love interest thing, and then immediately kill her i Mm -mm. hope they're not killing her yeah to repeat ourselves that we have said many times on many podcasts we did not see her die so she's not dead until we see a body but that was still tremendously upsetting and it really was i was not a fan i was not a fan it's like this is not an image i want in my head no no the lighting was beautiful in that scene before <laughs> that point even at that point the lighting still looked great but it was tremendously upsetting the sexy scenes had really good lighting mm-hmm. yeah and even though they were mostly in an indoor space this episode i felt like i was seeing different colors of lighting than mm-hmm. we have been seeing there was like some really intense orangey red lighting that they were using in those scenes with dutch and romwell so this episode felt a bit more colorful to me than some previous ones have agreed yeah the asteroid ship was very rust colored mm-hmm. which is a nice departure from like the grays and the blues and the you know the washed out thing that has been going on a lot earlier this season right which is very sci-fi standard these days and drives me crazy for that reason. <laughs> but I thought we got a nice mix-up of color and lighting, and it was a very pretty episode, I thought. Mm-hmm. But, like, the candlelight at the Scarback Monastery was... Mm-hmm. It was gorgeous. It really was. And we got some Dutch and Hunky Monk sexy time! Woo! <laughs> I kid you not, Rama had that line to Dutch... Uh-huh. And I I kid you not, my my thought immediately was like, and cue the sex music. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, in this episode, we saw, because it, we t- we've talked about previously uh, that we'd seen some residual kind of jealousy and hanging on of Dutch by Davin. But it seemed like, especially in the last episode, Dutch was being a little more okay with Davin maybe pursuing a new love interest in Sabine. In this episode, we, we have that great conversation with her and Pri. What is the word that he uses to describe her, her, what she's doing? I don't know. Don't you remember? He has that whole thing about how we need a word for when you, you want them, but you're not going to have them. Oh, was, it, was it the dwant? Yes, dwant. You're dwanting. It's okay to dwant him. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> So she has that great scene with with Pri where he noticed that she's, you know, maybe having a little bit of conflict over Davin finding a new love interest in Sabine. But we see her ultimately kind of letting him go and encouraging him to go after him. And she finds some happiness with a... (laughs) Thank you. Well, whatever. (laughs) I'm bad with pronouns. I'm sorry. Davin to go after her, meaning Sabine. And and Dutch goes in and has some... uh, Finds some happiness when she can with a hunky monk. (laughs) 
And then we also got the scene with Johnny and Potter. Yes. I'm sorry. I thought you were going to say more. <laughs> I just, like, if we're recounting the sexy scenes, the sexy times, and me mentally saying, and cue the sex music, that was instance three of cue the sex music. They they remain cute. I, I'm still rooting for the two of them. I think they're they're pretty cute together. Yeah. I also thought it was cute that Lucy, like, enabled it. <laughs> yeah. Again, with not, not dwelling on the jealousy, they they didn't show they showed Lucy being, you know, helpful when it came to having Johnny and Potter hook up rather than being, I don't know, resentful about it. Maybe it's good that Lucy wants you know, once in physical form, got to resolve some of that sexual tension with Johnny. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's that's what prompted it. Maybe. I don't know. But I did like that moment where Johnny realized that she wasn't a hologram. That I mean, I kind of, I think we all suspected that, that was the case when she was there. Right. Uh, but mm-hmm. it, it was cute when he was like, oh, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Which, you know, given the events of the episode, I get. Johnny being a little jumpy about grabby technology. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought the moment earlier in the episode when Potter was teasing him by taking off her robe just as she turned off the holophone was was cute, too. And very in character, yes. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> like, I totally believe that that's exactly what Potter would do. Mm-hmm. But like you were saying, it was great to see Lucy finally take shape and have form besides the her lovely ship form. Not that there's anything wrong with her lovely ship form. Totally not, but hard to make out with a ship. <laughs> yes. And I think, you know, so many people have been rooting for Tamsin McDonough to have a role where she actually gets to appear in the flesh on screen. And she finally got one. Yay! I think there was no other fan input that I saw more often during the hiatus than... Tamsin should be on the show, and Lucy should have physical form. I saw that so many times. And so, yeah, again, like, fan wish fulfillment, and it was great. And it was a lot of fun to have her there in human form and to enjoy, like, shooting guns. And, yeah, I I thought she was a great addition to the Johnny-Davin dynamic duo. I thought she made a good sidekick to them. And and sort of mocking them for... Not being able to keep up. Yes. (laughs) We're tired. We're not machines. It's like, well, it's a really short trip if we cut through this wall. (laughs) Oh, Lucy. (laughs) It took me a minute to realize that that actually was Tamsin McDonough, because I I think they reasonably so had her in a wig, which is is not very similar to her usual hair. But so it took me a minute to realize, like, oh, yeah, that is her face. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. There was that moment of like, I'm pretty sure that's her. And then, yeah. Once there was finally the close-up, you're like, oh yeah, there she is. I should have guessed from her delivery of the stop talking, be naked line, because that that was a very (laughs) classic Tams McDonough delivery. (laughs) It was good. But yeah, it is nice to see her, like actually see her on the show. And I want to thank Johnny for for bringing the the turn gynoid into the conversation. (laughs) (laughs) technically they're gynoids but nobody calls them that thank you johnny i love you (laughs) you and your geeky little trivia i love you there was lots of nerdery going around this episode which just generally made me happy there was so much nerdery he got so excited about an asteroid ship 
<laughs> he got so excited that he snorted. I don't know if he caught it, but... I didn't. I'm 90% certain that he snorted. <laughs> From excitement. <laughs> and I love that moment later on when he was trying to tell Dutch to be patient with, with Romwell because he just lost an asteroid ship. <laughs> Dutch was just like, ugh. <laughs> I would also like to point out that Johnny was not the only nerd of the episode because Davin was like, I'm a wizard. <laughs> I saw some really great uh, little fan art that people made pairing that with scenes from Harry Potter. Like, you're a wizard, Davin. And <laughs> You'll have to send it to me because I'm curious now. It was super cute. I'm sure but, it was. And it was, I was also, it really made me happy to that scene that he had with Dutch at the end after he used his his super goo powers to oh the pew 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 pew, pew. yes <laughs> yeah and I and I loved that he told her like you know this made him feel the best he had ever since whatever happened to him in the military it's like oh Davin I'm I know. give you a big hug those are the moments I I love Davin best mm -hmm. where yeah he's just sort of very open and honest about stuff and you know excited and I just yeah oh. Hugs. Hugs, Davin. And, and admitting with his grown-up words that he feels good about things, you know? And and not just being broody or whatever, you know? Having, being really adult about his emotions. Yay! <laughs> and again, I think that's what separates Davin from the standard version of that character. Yeah. Which is why I like Davin more than... The slab beef chest character, as my partner tends to call them. <laughs> Pretty accurate. <laughs> so, yeah. Because he does, he has feelings and, and expresses them in usually, usually fairly healthy ways. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to remember if there's anything else about Davin that we want to talk about. Yeah, it's tough because I really enjoyed that storyline, but it mostly it was just it was just fun and fluffy. There wasn't a whole lot of discussion fodder, as, as much discussion fodder, I guess. But I did really like it. Mm-hmm. Because the episode starts off where they're finally telling Dutch about Davin's goo powers. And there's that weird scene with the mind meld. Mm -hmm. I don't even know what to make of that. I'm not entirely sure either. His reaction was pretty good, though. I'm going to vomit with all of my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> well, he had teeth in his stomach, Stephanie. Yeah, that must have been disturbing. I'm disturbed and it didn't happen to me. Mm. Though I, I like Dutch was, was pretty, I was kind of shaking my fist at the screen when he poured all of the, of the green goo that they had managed to get over that chunk of the, the power crystal stuff. Mm -hmm. I was like, really? All of it, Davin? You couldn't have saved some of it? So <laughs> I, I was happy when Romwell later gave Dutch another copy of, of the goo. I was like, oh, thank goodness. Because <laughs> mm -hmm. Davin, oh my gosh, <laughs> not all of it, save some. Yeah, you wouldn't think you'd need all of it, because... Anyway, who knows, though? It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> they fixed it, it's fine. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, going back to the mind meld, I suppose we really should have seen this coming, though, right? Because that was something that Klein could do. Mm -hmm. Klein was able to mind meld with Davin. Mm -hmm. So it makes sense that Davin couldn't mind meld with Mossy? Oh, yeah. I feel like it makes sense that Davin could mind meld, or may maybe potentially 
Probably Davin, though. He seems to have the most facility with the green goo that he could mind meld with pretty much anybody once he got the hang of it. Well, but they, I think they said something about the reason it was only with Mossy was because the goo was from Mossy. So. Right, 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 right. But if they got some other green goo. Yeah. I, the, I bet he could figure out a way to harness its abilities. Right, right. That's another thing. We got backstory on the green goo, including some exploration of this idea of, of the mind melding and the fact that it's the sap of life and all this sort of thing. Yeah, I again, I, my main takeaway from this show, from this episode, was, you know, Chris is so smart. She's just right about things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's more like, oh, that might be a clue. <laughs> Because we, in that scene between Dutch and, and shirtless hunky monk, woohoo, after the sexy <laughs> times, he was talking about- In the beautiful candlelight, which makes Hannah John Common look really good. Mm-hmm. But he, he repeated your theory that you mentioned several episodes ago, this idea that perhaps the, the cutting that the Scarbacks do is a result of wanting to prove that they weren't infected by the green glue, that they could bleed, that they did scar. And yeah, you're just so smart, Chris. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I will accept this praise. <laughs> <laughs> and through Romwell, we also got some more information about something we were speculating earlier about the idea of the nanites that we saw back in a glitch in the system and if they had a similar effect to the green goo. And uh, yeah, yeah, they do. <laughs> Indeed. Because Romwell, it turns out, is 423 years old. And looking pretty good. Yeah, yeah. And there was the whole story. He was talking about how people somehow involved with the green goo, apparently not level six killjoys, because I think they predated that. Mm -hmm. So whatever preceded that. So maybe the black rock? I don't know. You mean the black root? Black, black root. Yes. I don't know why I said black rock. But yeah, so the- There were a lot of rocks in this episode. It's okay. (laughs) So yes, the, the black root or whoever, I'm guessing- I don't know that, but that's what I'm guessing. Came to his homeworld, he said, and tortured him for information. And then, yeah, after that was the nanite thing. So this was like 400 years ago, because we'd gotten the information before about how there hadn't been scarbacks on Arkin for 200 years. Mm-hmm. So we were like, this goes back 200 years? What? Mm-hmm. And no, it goes back 400 years, apparently. Mm. And I was a little confused. We got several big information dumps in this episode, which aren't my favorite things. Those are the parts of the episode that I was kind of like, not so much. But from his backstory, Romwell's backstory, they're suggesting that the presence of the green goo in the quad is suggesting that whatever people, enemies took over his planet are now in the quad and trying to take over here. Is that the suggestion we're supposed to come away with? Hmm. Well, I don't know if it's... I don't know. Hmm. Maybe. I'm just curious, though, because there was the evidence of the Scarbacks on Arkin from 200 years ago. Mm-hmm. And they had the, the saplings, and there was the green goo there. So I don't know. I don't know if this is like a recent development, is what I'm saying. But I am curious if maybe they'd been there for a while, but are planning to stage something, which would explain possibly why... They're putting up the wall, or the plans for the walls in Westerly and things like that? Well, the walls and also 
Potter's mom had developed that thing to protect Crush from its enemies or something, to protect it from other people taking the planet. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's who she's trying to guard the planet against. Oh, that's a good idea. You're probably right. I'm just going to say you're right, Chris. I'm going to get on board <laughs> early. <laughs> that would be a good idea, though, since we were confused by the idea of, like, why would you kill off your entire planet? That makes no sense. So I like that idea. It could make sense if whatever you're facing is worse. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, there was the whole thing... Rama was talking about how his family was royalty. His father was a lord, and so that's the reason he was taken because and tortured had... for information. Right. So it could be. I don't know. So let's talk about the other big information dump that we got in this episode, which was Dutch basically giving Romwell her backstory, most of which was pretty much told to us already in bits and pieces throughout season one, I feel like. There was much of that story that I thought, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, but what did you think about that whole sequence with the instruments and the, you know, dream sequence-like episodes? Yeah. I mean, as as you just said, a lot of it was sort of a rehash of stuff we got sprinkled throughout season one, which I don't necessarily mind just because, like, I'm aware that it's a TV show and people have not watched it in a while and maybe have forgotten. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And need to be reminded. And then we did get the added information, though, and sort of a a new a new glimpse of Dutch's new perspective on Klein, because she said before that she didn't really hate him anymore, right? And I feel like this is sort of her explicitly stating her new perspective on what Klein had done, because Klein basically. Granted, in sort of the worst way possible, but Klein did make her a survivor. That's sort of the lasting impact is, you know, you can't really take down Dutch because she will kill you if she has to, to protect herself and the people she cares about. So, you know, that's sort of like the big takeaway, which, as you said, isn't really new information, but it's it's stated explicitly, I guess, is sort of the big thing. I wish that they had maybe found a different way to more visually communicate the backstory that she was laying down for Romwell. I thought the little flash forward, flash back, not real fantasy type. I don't know exactly what they were, but where it was Romwell sort of seeing himself with Dutch and them right. growing old together. Uh, that struck me as a little cheesy. It, it felt like they really shoehorned in an opportunity to, to get Hannah John Common to sing. I feel like that could have done, been done a little more elegantly. See, again, this is where my whole fan fiction-y kind of thing yeah. came in. I was like, I don't know that we need to see this, but... Yeah, it felt like uh, I, uh, the fan fiction element of Lucy taking gynoid form i thought that worked pretty well the fan fiction element of like dutch singing and that didn't work quite as well for me uh, but i so i feel like maybe they could have communicated more of that in in visual storytelling rather than just having dutch be narrating uh, and mm -hmm. uh, but i did think I, we were gonna get more flashbacks than we actually got yeah yeah that is a i know i've i'm on record for not loving flashbacks but that's that would be would be a good occasion to use flashbacks is to show us information we don't already have so that we mm -hmm. can see Dutch reacting in the moment. I think that would have been a good occasion to use some flashbacks. Right. Or even a new perspective on something that we'd already heard before. 
just because sure. we heard it but didn't see it for ourselves. Because sometimes that's kind of illuminating. I like yeah. it when they do that. Mm-hmm. So the the little images that Romwell sees of them growing old together, it struck me as a little bit cheesy. But that whole sequence ended in a really surprising way for me, a very dark, unexpected way for me. Which right. I'm trying to decide if it balances out the preceding cheese factor. I think it does. <laughs> <laughs> I also, I, I don't know that I'd go with cheesy, but I found it confusing. Okay. Yeah, like, it was where, confusing. Where is this going to go? Like, yeah. I don't think I like where this is going. And then it ended in an interesting way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll accept it. <laughs> <laughs> because it ended with her trying to kill him. <laughs> <laughs> And it's the like, reveal. oh, she's manipulating him, I think. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and it, you know, we saw her playing, finally playing that instrument earlier in the season. And because of that, I think that that set us up for not expecting the whole, oh, the strings are poisoned with a paralytic. That came as a surprise. That and she's immune to. Because she spent many years developing an immunity to Iocane powder. Oh, wait, so- <laughs> sorry, wrong thing. Uh- <laughs> Uh, good job. Good <laughs> job you. throwing that in there. <laughs> I also always think of that scene whenever immunity to poisons is brought up. <laughs> so yeah, I, I totally did not see that moment coming when suddenly he's paralyzed and then she garrots him with one of the wires. Because that is, you know, Dutch from the beginning has been, I do not kill people unless it's in self-defense. And and while I think this could maybe fall into a category of self-defense for her, I think it more just showed her line, her trigger is if you're trying to imprison people, no, 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 that does not fly with me. I need my autonomy. I need my freedom. And if you're going mm-hmm. to interfere with that, you know, down with you. Yeah, that's like the all bets are off kind yeah. of line. Exactly. Don't mess with Dutch or her people. Yeah. And I liked that when she did tell Davin and Johnny that she had killed Romwell, they had that unspoken reaction where they just looked at each other with clear surprise, like, oh my gosh, she actually killed that guy. So it felt like they did make enough of that moment where she thought she killed him. But then part of me kind of like, is it cheating that then he wasn't dead? I don't know. That they were able to take the, our lead character to that dark of a place, but then ultimately have it not have the type of effect it might have otherwise had because he was infused with nanites, etc. Well, but they did actually talk about that, though. Like, they expressed it during the fight because, you know, she was talking about how she – or he said something like, you you killed me. And he, she's like, it didn't take. And he's like, you didn't know that when you did it. Right. So, I mean, it was – Addressed. It was acknowledged. But I thought that moment where she at least thought she killed Romwell really resonated with what has been going on for Dutch throughout the series, but throughout this season in particular with her fighting this idea of like, am I a good person? Am I a bad person? Can I come back from what Klein did to me? So it, I really did like that moment. But again, the stuff that led up to it was less effective for me. So I'm kind of, I kind of have mixed feelings about that little story thread. I think that's fair. Because, yeah, it, it's one of those things, like, I, I'm i not surprised she killed him. Like, I may be a little bit surprised, but at the same time, you know, as we've said, like, we've kind of always known that that's Dutch's big do-not-cross kind of line, mm-hmm. you know? It's a little jarring to see it. I mean, 
certainly. I think because of how she killed him, it was as uh, impactful. Yes. Because he was defenseless. She did it so hands-on. It's not the same as if she had just shot him from across the room. Yep. So that moment was pretty powerful for me, I gotta say. Do we think that we will see Romwell again? Hmm. I mean, I kept thinking that they were maybe leading to it, but then they ended the episode with Dutch handing over information from Bellish about getting him out of the quad, so... Right. Yeah, I was surprised that they seemed to wrap up his role in the storyline as neatly as they did at the end of this episode. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw him again. Honestly, I thought he would be more of a sticking around for a little bit presence. Mm-hmm. Well, because for a while there, it felt like they were maybe building him up to being a foil or a love interest or something for Dutch. Right. I still wouldn't be surprised if he shows up again in that capacity. But that's not remotely how the episode ended, which, you know, I'm good with. I'm good with the way the episode ended, but that part of it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, qualifiers. (laughs) And it felt like Dutch much like Davin, got kind of a a little boost of confidence or good feeling about themselves when Romwell has that really nice moment with her where he says that it, Dutch doesn't remind him of anybody that he's ever met before. Which was such a good line. Again, following through from stuff earlier this season, where Dutch is just so thrown by all the double Dutch stuff that they talk about. And, you know, there's the shadow Dutch, the the mirror Dutch. That's it. The mirror Dutch. Mm-hmm. The creepy Peter Pan shadow situation. So yeah, I'm, I don't know. I'm not as relieved as Dutch, but I think we were both pretty relieved. <laughs> <laughs> but I have so many questions still. <laughs> About? 200 years ago, who was that? Mm. Well, I think that is still to be revealed with the decrypting of the message that Klein sends. I think that's still an element that they're going to return to, of course. Oh, I know. Yeah. I I guess what I'm really going to get is I'm impatient. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So that comment you just made, it reminded me of some feedback that we got from somebody. And here is where I owe people a really big apology because, okay, so... (laughs) If you go to our website, ashgenretv.com slash feedback, there's a little screen there with all of the ways to contact us, including our email and then a little contact form that you can, you know, fill out to send us feedback that way. I think, and I still do think by looking at how I set up that contact form, it should have been sending us emails with the comments you've been putting in there. But no, that is not what has been happening. (laughs) Is this why we haven't been getting any feedback? Part of it, yes. So (laughs) I realized... Not that we haven't gotten any. We've gotten very little, is, is I should say. I realized yesterday that there's a section of our website called feedback where those messages that are people are sending through that feedback form that contact form have been ending up but i had no idea so i really apologize if you've sent us like a bunch of messages and you think why have they never read anything that i've sent in this is why i'm an idiot and i didn't realize that there was a section of our website where that feedback was being sent so i really really apologize But I did want to mention this feedback that we got from Rachel. She said it after last week's episode, but I think it's kind of pertinent to what you just said. Uh, Rachel said, 
writing to echo what I think Chris has been saying. I enjoyed the episode, but it was very plot-driven. Potter's mother had to infect herself because, well, to let Potter ascend to the Nine. This season is good, but I think I enjoyed last season more because it was less clear that the case of the week was playing into the bigger story. At the end, there was this catharsis and great fun in the going back and discovering the puzzle pieces after seeing the full puzzle. And I think that that is a fair comment on how season one and season two are differing because, you know, we have in season one where we got to the end and we thought, oh, this is why they showed us all this stuff to begin with. Whereas with this season, they set up far more of these uh, big plot lines in episode one and they've been been like doling out little pieces of it throughout the season. So I I think I, like Rachel, kind of preferred the way it it happened in season one, but I saw a lot of critique from people during season one that they felt like they didn't think things were adding up to something bigger. So that might be why they're trying this different storytelling method in season two. I think part of it too, though, is because they did that in season one, I mean, the fact that it led into the bigger plot starting season two, like, well, now you have that bigger plot. <laughs> this is true. Like, we saw like the you green goo. You literally can't do that again with season two. You might be able to start over again next season, let's say. But yeah, the way season one ended, I just, I can't conceive of how they would replicate that storytelling pattern this season. I think at the very least, we'd have these questions of the green goo and level six, etc., because of what we saw at the end of, of season one. So I, I don't think that they could have been as clean of a slate at the beginning of this season. Uh, so yeah, I take your point. But yeah, I mean, I also appreciated the way they built it up in season one. But yeah, I just I don't know. I don't know how you do that this season. Also, the fact that because we know they did that last season, I feel like we're all looking for how they're going to do that this season. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. you're aware of it now. Though I do think, like you were saying, it does have the effect of making you a bit impatient because we can see very clearly like, oh, we're going to know more about the green goo. We're going to know more about this double Dutch figure. And we're we're eager to get more of the details. Tell me more. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing, Potter's mom? <laughs> <laughs> Whose name I never remember, apparently. Adeline? I think you're right. Okay. You're right. But <laughs> see, if, if I said that, though, nobody would know who I was talking about anyway. I think so that's true. We just have to go back to Potter's mom. I'm just going to call her Potter's mom. Speaking of Potter's mom, Rachel also made a comment uh, that Potter's mother infected herself and that didn't seem to have much of a consequence. And I actually thought that myself, too, the first time I watched it. But I realized on rewatch what they said resulted of her doing that and generating that data was that it allowed Potter to recognize that the pathogen she created was similar to this other one that she had treated before. And that's how she knew that the one big weakness it would have would be intense heat. Uh, But at the same time, it was a cold disease that, you know, was making things cold. So the idea that they needed to apply a lot of heat, not exactly a huge leap of (laughs) a huge leap to go from A to B. Uh, But they, they did try to demonstrate that there there was information that they gleaned from Potter's mother infecting herself. But it's better to know that than to... To just blow things up willy-nilly. <laughs> to blow things up and then make everything worse, possibly. <laughs> I'm just saying. So thank you, Rachel, for sending in that feedback. And again, a big apology for me for not realizing that we weren't getting feedback emailed to us. 
sorry, uh, my bad. I will from now on be checking the feedback section of our website. So sorry. I just have to give a shout out to whoever came up with Dutch saying manic pixie assassin. <laughs> that was a great line. That was a really great line. It was line. so great. I love it. And speaking of great lines, I, I also really liked her comment to Pre uh, that I sense a reluctance, yet a desire to be the center of attention. <laughs> <laughs> and also, Lucy, are you making sparks? Aren't I supposed to? <laughs> <laughs> that was, I, I felt like that was maybe not necessarily a callback, but it reminded me of what they did in the in the premiere with all of the sparks flying around Dutch and Davin as they kissed. And that was the, our big clue that it was a dream. But yeah, I loved that moment too, where, you know, she pulls back and she's got sparks coming out of her little gynoid finger. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty great. We'd love to hear your thoughts about this episode of Killjoys. You can send them to killjoys at askgenretv.com. We love getting voice messages, which you can send us in a couple of ways. You can record a voice memo on your smartphone and email it to us, or call our listener voicemail line at 972-514-7223. You can follow us on Twitter or Tumblr at Killjoys Podcast. We often live tweet during both the East and West Coast airings of Killjoys in the U.S. and Canada. The Quad is part of the Ask Genre TV family of podcasts. To find our other podcasts about Orphan Black and Lost Girl and other shows, visit our website, askgenretv.com. Thanks for listening. See you in the Quad. <laughs> <laughs>